Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. It's Friday, end of the week. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Andrew. It's a good Friday. They're all good Fridays. Here all on good Fridays Talk. here on Text Talk. Every day is a good day because we're finding Jesus everywhere in the Gospel of Matthew. Amen. We've got a bigger section to read today in Matthew 15. We're going to finish out the chapter. I'll start in verse 29. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered. When they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Or I think... Actually, what the New King James yeah, there even Magdala. says, Magdala. Okay, yeah. very cool, very cool. Which uh, we understand to be the the region, the community where Mary Magdalene is from. She'd very be cool. from Magdala. Yeah, so what an interesting connection here. One of the things I just want to bring out really quickly, I love this statement smack in the middle of all that, and they glorified the God of Israel. Yeah, isn't that great? So if Jesus is actually doing all this by the power of the prince of the demons... It sounds to me like the plan of the Prince of the Demons is not working out too well, because instead they're glorifying God. I appreciate that. I also uh, think of this as as Jesus then practicing what he preaches about being salt and about being light. You know, you do your good deeds in a way that they glorify your Father who is in heaven. And here is Jesus doing multiple good deeds, things that you, you know you and I really we can't do that, which once again pushes back against the counter narrative. If the counter narrative is, oh, he's doing this by the power of the demons, well, then, but why? He's yeah. he's claiming we need to glorify God, and and that's what they're doing. So everybody knows this. So after uh, our conversation yesterday, we saw that he was up in the region of Tyre and Sidon. He has now gone back to the Sea of Galilee, and boy, people were missing him. And they're finding, I mean, just bringing these people from everywhere of all of these various kinds of afflictions. And he's able to heal them all. I liked verse 31, how the people marvel because the mute speak, the maim are whole, the lame walk, the blind see. Can you imagine the euphoria of these multitudes that their friends and their loved ones are whole again? And they're not just excited, they're, they're glorifying God. They see this as the power of God, the kingdom of God, breaking into the world, coming into their midst, and they're glorifying Israel's God. Mm-hmm. And so what an exciting picture this is. It generates worship, as it generates praise, as it generates honor. 
So it looks like uh, it says that he sat down in verse 29. I know it says that he sat down in verse 29. I know that's often the posture for teaching. That's the way the rabbis did it. Okay. And so, you know, we're back in Galilee and we're doing ministry again, teaching as well as healing. And as you read, it seems to have gone on for days. For days, yeah. He says, they've been with me for three days. This is important to me. I, I want to. I know we've mentioned this before, and I, I know I've talked with you about this before, but th- there's a couple of things here. Um, folks today, when, when we talk to people today, they act as though the mission of Christ Church mm-hmm. is to make sure that social benevolence and welfare is cared for. Right. Now look, I get it. At Galatians chapter 6 verses 9 and 10, as Christians we are going to do good to all men as we have opportunity. So I, I don't want anything I say here to sound like I'm saying we don't help people and we're not nice to people. We are, whether they're Christians or not. We do, though, especially those who are a household of God, yeah. Galatians 6.10 says. But a lot of folks today, they they would turn... I mean, even in our own country, mm-hmm. a couple of administrations ago, the whole idea was about faith-based initiatives, as if that's what churches were about, is general welfare and right. taking care of the populace of the American nation mm-hmm. or of, of the nations of the world. And the... What is presented today is as if Jesus' modus operandi, his mode of operations was to come into a town, go to the other side of the tracks, find people who are hungry and feed them, find people who are naked and clothe them, find people who are homeless and house them, and and provide them with water and drinks and dig wells for them until they just understood how much he loved them. And then once they understood how much he loved them and, and, and like granted permission to him to bring the gospel, then he would teach them. Mm -hmm. And so... Now what we have is as churches, as if the very mission of a congregation is to take care of the societal welfare needs of the community around the church. Right. I mean, I've even heard preachers that it's like they get upset because the church, well, nobody would know we're here because we're not out there doing those things. But that's not how Jesus worked. Jesus didn't go into town, go to the red light district, hang out in the bars, feed the people who were hungry until they all started listening to them. He went into the synagogues and started teaching, and they started following. Yeah. And here, a lot of people will go to this passage and mm-hmm. the other feeding miracle yeah. and say, well, look, see, this is what Jesus did. He went around feeding people. That's what we should do. Yeah. But please, 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 Andrew, notice right here, they had actually been with him for three days. Yeah. He didn't feed them on day one. He did not. He didn't feed them to get them to follow him out to the mountain. No, he didn't. He didn't feed them on day two. Mm -hmm. It's not until this third day, and now it's, look, I have compassion on them. They have devoted themselves to me and to my teaching, and now it's put them in a hard place. And because I have compassion on them, I'm going to take care of them. Mm -hmm. It's not I've attracted them here by food. It's not I've attracted them by taking care of their physical and material needs, so now maybe they'll listen to the spiritual. These are people who have devoted themselves to listening to him, and so now he provides that blessing. I think it's a great point to make. Um, I think that there is a great danger, and you see it a lot, where um, churches think that to be effective, we need to have the biggest and best show to put on or, you know, festivals and food, like you said, to to draw everybody in. Um that's a tough game to play. It's a really hard game to win. You know, when you make the church about those things, well, some other upstart church comes into town and they do a bigger, better show. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I heard a fellow say one time, if you convert people with hot dogs, you, 
you know, can only keep them with steak. Yeah. And the idea that there's always this upping the ante of appealing to the different desires or even amusements of a population. And that's not what Jesus did. That's not what his church is about. And, uh, you know, it's, there's different reasons that people give to justify that. We're trying to be wise as serpents and appeal to people at their need level or or even appeal to a passage like this. Hey, you know, Jesus fed 4,000 people, so obviously we can have soup kitchen or whatever the deal is. And um, you know, like I said, we're, we just don't win that. It's a corruption of the work and the ministry of the church, and ultimately it fails. A similar phrase that I heard someone say is, if you hot dog people in, someone else will hamburger them out. There you go. And that's I think that's the thing. Now, I, honestly, this is one of those topics that I, I don't like talking about because in our present cultural situation, it's almost like you can't talk about this without people uh, accusing or thinking I'm saying something I'm not. I'm not saying go be mean to people. I'm not saying no, that we no, as no, Christians no. ignore folks who are in need as, look, do good to all men as you have opportunity. But what's happened is we've moved away from doing good as as we have opportunity and acting like we it, it's mission drift. Well, mission it, drift it's is total the word. mission drift. It's total mission drift. And that, that kind of thinking that the church is only about different earthly causes, you know, has people leading social justice crusades and you know, politicizing churches and turning them into voting blocks to be manipulated by the ways of the world, as opposed to, no, let's start with Jesus. He's the Lord. This is his kingdom. And let's just be about the work that he has given. And historically speaking, Christians all the way back into the first and second and third centuries were some of the uh, most generous, hospitable, helpful people as I, they would they would they take still are as they would take care <laughs> of folks who were actually even opposed to Christians they would do that but it's not the church Jesus didn't die to make sure everyone has three meals a day right Jesus didn't die to make sure that everyone has a house to sleep in Jesus himself had no place to lay his head and and this is the struggle here's my concern that, that we end up with a kind of Christless Christianity. Mm-hmm. I read a book years ago uh, by that title, right now the author's name, uh, Michael Horton. Horton. Yeah, Michael Horton, Horton's Christless book. Christianity. Yep. And there's some things I didn't necessarily agree with about what he said, but it really impacted me to recognize that one of the things that's happening in modern Christendom, and I use sure. that in the very loose right. sense of the word of everyone who declares themselves to be Christians, is that the mission has been given to the church that anybody can perform, no matter whether they're a Christian or not. The fact is, you don't you mean ha- a mission has been created, yes, substituted, yes, that that even a non-Christian would fulfill just fine. Absolutely, a Wiccan, a Muslim, a pagan, an atheist can feed their neighbor oh, because you're right it's a about nice because it, it's a nice thing to do, and and we should do that. Yeah. When we make it the mission of the church, though, what we have now done is made the church's mission something that we don't need Christ to fulfill. I don't need Jesus Christ in order to just be nice to people. I don't need Jesus Christ in order to have a social benevolence mission. Exactly. What do I need Jesus Christ for? I need Jesus Christ for the salvation of souls. Mm -hmm. I need Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And this is why Jesus died. He died so that our sins could be cleansed and removed. He died because there's actually something coming after this world. And it may be that I'm Lazarus. And throughout this entire life, I'm lame and poor and the dogs are licking at my sores and 
you know, that may be where I live, but something better is coming because Jesus died for me. Now, that doesn't give me permission to be the rich man who ignores Lazarus exactly. laying at my gate. Exactly. But I just need to understand Jesus' mission was to forgive sins. He went to the cross to take our sins away, and he came in preaching that good news of the kingdom. And the good news of the kingdom is forgiveness. The good news of the kingdom is that mercy that we can repent and be saved. The good news of the kingdom is not, hey, if you're in the kingdom, you're going to be rich. Well, and the danger is that when the church loses its mission, when the church is not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is going to do that? Nobody's going to do that. As you well point out, all different kind of religions and philosophies, civic and social organizations to look after all these other uh, social ills. That stuff's all going to get done. And there's plenty of people that'll do that. And the church spends its time and resources and makes its uh, goals about that. Nobody's preaching the gospel because those other groups, they're not going to do that. And the devil will be fine and happy for all of us to die satisfied in our sins. I, you know, I guess one thing I would say, I don't know that all of the social civic things are going to get done, but I do know anybody can do them. And Christians can do those things. But our mission as the church, get the message of the gospel out. And, and that's actually what we see Jesus doing. And this, this benevolence that he offers comes as a blessing to those who are devoting themselves yeah. to that, not as a means to attract people in, not as a secondary, not even as a secondary mission, but certainly not as a primary mission. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we thank you so much for joining us with our conversation today in Matthew 15. Who knows? Maybe we'll just get a little bit of action on the Facebook group after this one airs. Uh, I bet we do. And we love that. We love that. Send us an email with your thoughts. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, the time to be together to study your word and to look at Jesus Christ, to look at his amazing ministry, how he was preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven first, how he worked miracles that demonstrated his true identity, how he had compassion for all people. And Father, we want our hearts to be shaped by that, to truly be compassionate and helpful to others as we can and as we may, but to always remember that the greatest help is the gospel. What Jesus died for and rose again, that's the gospel, and it's about souls. And we pray, Father, that you'd help us to keep our priorities right and in line with your word for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.